Hello and welcome to another episode of A Little Thing Called Marketing. It's a podcast all about marketing and it's brought to you by Studio 93 and we are a marketing company based in the Midlands of Ireland. My name is Darren Doyle and in this episode I wanted to focus on the topic of email marketing. Now we've run numerous live webinars over the last kind of year and this webinar, again all around email marketing, was the most popular. So I figured, look, people are interested in it. Why not take the audio from the webinar and repurpose it as a podcast episode? So that's what you're about to hear now. And with no further ado, let's just get straight into it. This is our webinar called My Secrets to Email Marketing. If you want to watch it, it's actually available on our website, but you're about to hear the audio from that webinar. Enjoy. Welcome to this webinar, My Secrets to Email Success. My name is Darren Doyle and I'm the Creative Director here at Studio 93. Now, I've been running email marketing campaigns for my clients over the past 10 years or so. I've seen lots of changes over the years, but what's more important and hopefully more interesting for you is that I've been able to peek behind the curtain of countless campaigns for hundreds of clients and I've seen firsthand what works and equally what doesn't work. This is what I'd like to share with you today. So what are we going to cover in the session? I'm going to start at the start, building your list. I'll explain how to do it the right way. Next, I'd like to touch on a very frequent question I get from new clients, which is, um, what should I put in these emails? And it's a fair question. Then I'll speak for a short time on what I call the rules of engagement. At that point, I'll hand over to my very special guest, Eileen Ireland, who will discuss what exactly we need to know and do to make sure that we are fully compliant with current GDPR law around sending emails. About midway through 2018, new GDPR regulations put the frighteners of many of my new clients, not my current clients as they were already following the rules. In truth, a fear of not fully understanding these regulations can be a major deterrent to clients considering implementing an email marketing strategy, which is exactly why I invited Eileen on to give us that information firsthand. Finally, I'll finish up with my top secrets to email success. That's what you came for, right? Okay, let's kick in. Does email marketing even work? It absolutely does when it's done right. Now, most marketers would agree that it's actually one of the most effective channels at our disposal today. When you can build a highly relevant list, more on that later, then further segment that list, craft an offering which aligns with what that customer wants and needs, again more on that later, then the return on investment is unparalleled. But here's the rub. You need a documented strategy with a clear understanding of who your customers are and what they want. You also need to give it time. This is not a quick fix. So key takeaway, it works, yay, but you have to do it right, boo. Okay, let's move on to building that list because if you're gonna send emails, you're gonna need email addresses to send them to, right? Do you have a company newsletter? Do you ask people to sign up for your newsletter? And then do you send them your newsletter? I'm sorry to tell you, ain't no one wanna read your newsletter you absolutely have to have a compelling proposition before anyone will consent to receiving email from you. I'm sure Eileen will have lots to say on this one. 
The questions your prospects need to answer when considering handing over their email addresses are, why should I care? What value do I get? What makes your email different? What type of content can I expect? How often will I receive emails? What details do I need to give? You absolutely need to lead with value and not value to you, but value to the person receiving the email. This is something that should be implemented throughout all of your marketing, but focusing on the topic of email marketing, you should be offering your subscribers something of value and avoiding sending them salesy emails. But here's the thing, you can't just offer any old freebie, it needs to matter to your target audience. To identify the most desirable freebie for your target audience, you'll have to create and consult your target personas. You can then choose the giveaway that best solves your audience's core problems and caters to their core desires. So what do I mean by a customer persona? Now, I'm not gonna to go too deep into this as honestly, we could do a whole webinar on that alone, but here's the gist. A customer persona is just a semi-fictional depiction of a real customer. Knowing your customer persona or personas, as you may very well have more than one, means you can align your emails with the type of info or content that they actually want to receive. Again, the big mistake I've seen over the years is clients sending out the information that they want the recipient to have, typically a product or a service that they want to sell, 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 and never stopping to think about what the person on the other end of the email actually wants and cares about. Look. It's human nature to recoil when we feel we're being sold to. Now, I'm not saying, hey, you should never try to be selling. You shouldn't be out there selling. Far from that. What I am saying is lead with value. I've got an example coming up, but my rule of thumb would be for every email you send with the goal of making a sale, send about four that asks for nothing and offers real value to the recipient. In truth, if they interact with the value-packed emails, then you're actually selling, but in a far more subtle way. Now, before I hand over to Eileen, I want to talk a little on setting expectations. To start building your list, you must make a compelling case for signups, as we just covered. But another reason why people hesitate is fear that they will be bombarded by your emails, and it does happen. Personally, I'll only sign up if the proposition is compelling, but I've unsubscribed more times due to the sheer frequency of emails from that one source more than any other reason. Most likely, you'll be collecting email signups on your website, so make a point of setting out your stall in terms of what you'll be sending and how often. Again, I can think of numerous clients who historically would have had a sign up for our newsletter box and that's it. No information on what would be in this newsletter, why I should care, and how often will I be getting this newsletter. You absolutely need to alleviate any fears that the potential subscriber might have, so address them straight up and be very honest. Let's talk subject lines, because your email will live or die on the subject line that you use for two reasons. One, the subject line is the first thing a recipient will see and they will make up their minds in a fraction of a second about whether they want to open your email or not. We've all done it right. Two, the email provider, Hotmail, Gmail, Outlook, etc., will analyze your subject line and using specific words are the quickest way to land you into the spam folder. Here are a few just to give you a feel for what I mean. If you use more than two punctuation marks, no, 
Exclamation points are a big no-no, never use those. If you use all caps, if your subject line is really long, like more than 50 characters. Be careful not to use any words that will be considered spammy. Here's an example of a few never to use. Buy, order, affordable, cost, money, save, problem, open. I have an extensive list of these, so drop me an email and I'll send them on to you. Now, let's talk about best practice for good subject lines. Spark curiosity, don't be in any way salesy and tell a story. The big one for me here is that curiosity piece. It stands to reason that if you can entice the recipient with an interesting subject line, then they're far more likely to open your email to learn more. To be very clear, I'm not encouraging any attempt to trick the reader, um, that will just annoy them. But what I would say is you should try to put some thought into how you can spark their curiosity and you'll see a sizable bump in your email open rate. Now to the email itself, go back to basics. For those of you that are familiar with email marketing, you have likely seen all of the beautiful professional looking and easy to use templates offered by the different platforms like MailChimp. Most businesses want to try and use these templates because they help them appear more professional and they look like a real marketing campaign. However, these emails tend to look like one big ad to the user. After this webinar, take a look through your email inbox. Think about which ones you actually open and read. It's likely that the vast majority of the emails that you engage with are more text-focused than graphic-focused. Focus on just text and maybe an image or two. Keep the text concise and use short one or two sentence paragraphs. Overall, it makes it easier for the user to skim through and comes across as more genuine. It also helps you to blend in with the rest of the inbox. Now, this might sound like a bad thing to do. You want to be blending in? You want to be blending in with the day-to-day -day emails that your user receives rather than standing out as a promotional business email. This applies to both the user and to the email provider. You are likely all familiar with Gmail and the way that they divide your emails into primary, social, and promotional. An email service provider like Gmail is more likely to flag your email as promotional and put it in that category if it has a template that's full of graphics and links. Reduce your call to actions. In keeping with the idea of scaling back your emails, you'll want to reduce the number of call to actions or CTAs you include. Now, a call to action is a marketing term used to describe a prompt that tells a user to take some specified action. To put this into context, let's imagine you are subscribed to an estate agent. So you receive an email from them and there are multiple prompts throughout the email, such as a link to read their new blog post on their website, a link to view a useful checklist, a link to download a booklet about staging your house, and a link to book a consultation with them. These are four different call to actions within one email, four different actions that the business wants you to take. Not only does this many call to actions distract and overwhelm users, but it also makes the email more likely to be flagged as promotional content by the email provider. You only wanna have one call to action and one link per email. So looking back at our example, the business should only have included a link to their new blog post. A short email with a quick summary about the blog post or bullet points on what people could learn by reading it along with one relevant graphic or photo would be much more effective and produce a much higher click-through rate. 
When including a call to action, try to use a button instead of a text link. Now MailChimp makes this simple as this can increase your conversion rate by up to 28%. For example, instead of the business saying, read our blog post at, and then a big long link, they could just put a button that says, read our blog post. Okay, I think it's about time I hand over to my very special guest on this webinar, who is Eileen Ireland. Eileen, I'm gonna let you uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Hi everybody, my name is Eileen Ireland and I am a GDPR trainer and a consultant. I advise all uh, different types of businesses in all industries about their GDPR compliance. My website is www.regdpr.com. So Eileen, often when new clients come to me and they have a list that they've maybe built up over the years, Often there's a question in the client's mind about, mm, am I fully compliant here? Is my list compliant? So what can people do to maybe do an audit of their own email list in terms of, you know, am I compliant? Okay, this is a great question. This is a huge question, I think, in relation to all kinds of businesses. And it is one, I think, that that a lot of people uh, think about and think that they have to get rid of their lists as soon as they start looking at GDPR compliance. And that isn't the case. There are a few different rules that you can kind of uh, go by and actually base your information on. So if you have a marketing list, say of 100 people, and that marketing list has been built up maybe over 10 years, what you would have to look at and say is, how confident am I that of the 100 people that's on this list, that they signed up to a marketing list or a newsletter or mailing options when they and they were aware they were being added to this list? If you are 100% sure that they signed, that they knew what they were signing up for and they agreed to it, absolutely keep those people on a list. Make sure you're then adding them to a marketing platform that allows them to unsubscribe at any time. You cannot just keep people on a list and not give them the option to come off it. Um, another way of looking at those 100 people are, if you're unsure as to how many of those people actually actively signed up, to be on your marketing list. What I say to everybody is, is have a review of the names. And if it's some people that actually were recent, um, then I'm sure that you would have gone through the whole marketing principles with them. If there's people that would have been maybe five, six years ago, you could nearly guarantee that they probably didn't have any market, you know, any proper GDPR guidance. So I always say to people, okay, what you can do is send out an email to all of them. Now, remember, everybody that when you're sending an email you need to send the first uh, name on the list should be to yourself everybody else should be on a bcc a blind cc you do not want to see the names of anybody else when you're sending an email that is you know huge because you will be caught for a data breach on that what you do then is you send an email and just let everybody know that you're updating your marketing list and that you have maybe new services that you're offering could be new products it could be a new range of items that they're interested in. But they don't have to purchase something from you in order to be signed up to the list. You let them know that, you know, that you are looking to see if they would be interested in getting any information on these products or any other product you're offering. And if so, they can consent then to sign up to the list and put the link underneath it. Once they have clicked on that link, they will then get a subsequent link which asks them to confirm that they are happy to be signed up on the list. And then that will be that will be everything done then and your list will be compiled on a marketing spreadsheet. So you will be confident that you have who you need to have. Anybody who does not do that, 
you need to take them off your marketing list because they are not compliant. Lastly, what you have to remember is, is if you have changed the course of your business, if you compiled this list five years ago when you were maybe a hardware shop and you were selling products, and now you could be um, somebody who is selling clothes, something completely different in no way paralleled. You do not have the right to access the list from the one that you got from the hardware shop. Thanks, Eileen. And my next question is uh, around the whole uh, idea of consent. So what do we need to be aware of when it comes to consent for emails to be sent? Okay, I always say consent, consent, consent. You have to remember this. You cannot ever assume consent from any of your clients. You always have to give them the option to consent to be added to your list or to add it to any promotional material or any system that you have in your business. Always remember consent. So, and you have to remember as well that you have to give clients, visitors, suppliers, anybody that works with your business or visits your business, you have to give them the option to withdraw their consent. So Eileen, up until now on this webinar, I've mentioned MailChimp a couple of times, and I think MailChimp does uh, automatically allow you to have that unsubscribe button at the bottom. So do you want to just reiterate how important that is that people can leave their list easily? Absolutely. MailChimp would definitely be one of the platforms I would recommend. It is great to have everybody on a MailChimp platform because it actually allows you to control who is there and put them into their own list. But also, it allows the person who was on that list to come off it at any time. So all they do is they click on an unsubscribe button. It may ask you why you want to unsubscribe. Sometimes, some platforms do. Some platforms don't. They take it automatic. And so what you do then if you kind of think, no, I don't want to hear from this person anymore. I'm actually not interested in this product. Or alternatively, I'm getting five emails from these people a day. Like, I mean, and, and anybody at that stage would want to come off it. You click on the unsubscribe. It might ask you why you want to unsubscribe, but you can click it or you can ignore it and you can just go and, and press accept and it will take you off the list. So it is always kind of worth um investing in, say, a, a MailChimp platform, definitely. Eileen, can you tell the audience a little bit about what we mean when we talk about double opt-in? Okay, this is actually uh, an interesting topic because people think it's actually covered underneath GDPR. And technically, if you look for it, you will find that it's not covered under GDPR. But it has been linked to GDPR because it's best practice. And all businesses should be opting, should be offering this option to their clients, to anybody they want kind of to sign up. What it is, is it means that if you are asking anybody to sign up to any newsletters, if you're asking them to sign up to any, to be entered into any draw, if you're asking them essentially to give their personal details to you in any shape or form, you have to give them the option twice. You're basically saying, okay, um, I, there's going to be a pop-up that comes up on the website and it might say, uh, for an extra 10%, sign up here. So what you do is, and in most times, it will tell you to give your first name and your last name and your email address. If it asks for anything more than that, please step away because they are harvesting your material, your information um, and you do not need to provide that. So I would always be dubious of any websites that are doing that. What you do then is you provide that information and you click enter. You will then get an email straight away. It is as quick as anything. It's an email straight away into the email box that you've provided. It will then ask you to click on that email if you would like to be added to the list, to the mailing list. 
it will tell you the name of the company. And you click on that. That means that that is your second opt-in. So that is your double opt-in. All the uh, marketing platforms like MailChimp, they will be offering that. They also will tell you as well to maybe add the email address to your address book or to maybe market so that it's not spam, just to avoid you missing out on whatever special offers or what information they're sending to you. What happens then is, is that your email address is added to the marketing list that has been established by that company underneath that platform. And they're able to then send you out information that is relevant to what you've signed up for. Eileen, thank you so much for your contribution to this webinar. I definitely couldn't have covered that myself. For anyone out there that's interested in talking to Eileen about any of the subjects she's already talked about here, her email is here somewhere on the screen. Reach out to her. I'm sure she'll be more than happy to come back to you and help you any way she can. And with that, let's move on to the next section. Next, automate everything. One incredibly useful feature that many businesses don't take advantage of enough is automations. The way these work is that you set up a series of emails and triggers for those emails ahead of time, and then they automatically send themselves. Again, MailChimp makes this very easy to set up. Common examples could be a welcome email when a user joins your email list, or a leave us a review email maybe a week after they've ordered something, but automations can do even more than this. Looking back at our example of the estate agent, they could have set up an automation that sends out a welcome email, including a link to their blog. Then a few days later, an email containing the free checklist goes out, followed by an email about the free booklet several days later, and then finally an email containing an invitation to book a consultation with them. You can even get more specific about your email triggers and set it up to only send the following email if the link from the previous one had been clicked. This would help you to focus on the highly engaged subscribers. Although this might sound like a lot of work, it's all done upfront and then once it's set up, it just runs itself. The offer value point is worth repeating at this stage. You may have noticed in the email series for the estate agent that they sent out three emails containing something of value before they ever mentioned any type of sales message. So try to send three or four emails that only offer the user something of value and expect nothing in return and then you can send an email where you're including some type of sales message. And even in that email you shouldn't try to be too salesy or pushy. Finish with a prompt. This is a small but effective tip. As we mentioned earlier when talking about email templates, many businesses understandably want to achieve a professional and polished tone and design to fit with their business. Acknowledging the fact that there is in fact a human being behind these emails makes them no less professional or businesslike. In fact, it adds an element of transparency to your business and makes it more likely that your audience will reach out to you. So the next email campaign that you send out to your audience, consider adding just one sentence at the bottom to show people that they can reach out and that the emails are monitored. You could ask them a question or you could encourage them to reach out if they need any help with implementing something that was previously mentioned in an email. Next, keep an eye on the data. Email marketing is one of the most trackable marketing initiatives and tools such as MailChimp offer us a wealth of data to analyze our campaigns once they're out in the world. My advice is don't get too bogged down in the data, but definitely monitor it and make adjustments where needed. Now, when I sit down to analyze this data with my clients, I'm always asked, what's a good open rate? Or what click-through rate should we be getting? 
So let me give you those numbers you should be shooting for. A healthy open rate is between 20% and 40%. Open rates are a great indicator of how well your subject lines are working. There's an art to this, so work to refine your sense for a great subject line. And if your open rate dips below 20%, take a big step back and rethink. A healthy click-through rate is about 15%. A click-through, by the way, is when a recipient clicks on a link inside of your email. Typically, this will be out to your own site, but really it could link anywhere. Your click-through rate is an indicator of how good your call to actions are. An unsubscribe rate of less than 2% is normal. If it nudges past that, it's a huge red flag that whatever you're sending is perceived by the recipient to be of no value or totally irrelevant. And that brings us to an end. Thank you to Eileen for joining me on this one. Thank you for taking part and I hope I've managed to deliver some value to you in this session. Good luck with your email marketing campaigns, and I'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to A Little Thing Called Marketing, brought to you by Studio 93. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram for more. And if you have any suggestions for topics, do send us a message on Instagram. We'll be back same time, same place next week. And don't forget, you can visit our website, www.studio93.ie for on-demand webinars, blog posts, or to book a consultation. 